0: From the west to the east, I'm Sherry Christensen from Alberta.
1: And I'm Jake Rose from New Brunswick. Welcome to Embrace the Grain.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Embrace the Grain. Tonight, Jake and I have a very special guest um we will go with the name of merlin because i butcher his last name very severely we'll let merlin <laughs> introduce himself <laughs> go ahead merlin
2: all right hi i'm uh, merlin Bosnow. um it's it's a bit of a mouthful for the last name there so i usually just go by merlin
0: Right. I just thought it would be better maybe if if you did the introduction and and then nobody says it wrong. Um, no, tell us perfect. a little bit about you.
2: Um. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I, I live in Toronto. Uh. But I originally grew up in Western Canada. Um. In the Kootenays. I've been in Toronto for about uh, four and four years ish, and um. That's where I got uh, into photography in in a big way there um i had been doing some shooting in like the early 2000s but took a break for a bit and didn't really get back into photography until um i moved to toronto and uh then fell down a really deep rabbit hole of film
0: uh probably like most of us since we picked up a full fo- film camera it was uh there is a lot of uh, things to explore and we want to explore them all, it seems.
2: Yeah, it was a bit of that. Like what really sucked me in was an interview that I saw um, with Jason Lee where he was talking about the uh, the honesty of like um, film photography around like Polaroid 8x10s. And um, that really got i was like i really want to go shoot polaroid eight by tens and then i looked and saw how much it costs to do that and I was like all right let's just go with a regular polaroid (laughs) and um i started shooting a bunch of just a polaroid like i found a i think it was a sun 660 box camera was the first polaroid i started uh, using i picked up off of uh kijiji and uh you know, from the sun, I got into Spectras and then I started playing with a bunch of expired Polaroid, which was a lot of fun. Um, got into a bit of the impossible film and then that turned into the Polaroid Originals. And then it just snowballed from there. Um, and I was like, holy shit, um, Polaroid is expensive. So let's try shooting something else. And that's when I started doing 35 millimeter. Um, And then that snowballed. 35 turned into medium format and medium format turned into large format. And then I just was spending as much money on film as I was on Polaroid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, at least it's not crack. Yeah,
2: well, that's the way I kind of look at it. Like I'm almost in my 40s now and I don't drink or do drugs anymore. So the money that I spent on that, I'm spending on my uh, film addiction now. Uh, there you go.
0: <laughs> That's probably a much healthier addiction.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> I, I think like my my uh, the AI algorithm in my banking app would disagree with that, but um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, have you you mentioned that you shoot in Toronto? Have you ran into any of the um, CCR fellows?
2: um that would be like um uh, the classic
0: camera revival folks
2: yeah so i'm just spacing out on like alex and um, yes the um why james am i forgetting and bill yeah. and james and bill and uh yeah I, i've uh, done a couple photo walks with uh, with those guys and they're all great and uh you yeah, i love those guys
0: I am jealous.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, they've been really interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I live in Toronto and I, I shoot in Toronto, but honestly, most of my pho- uh, photographic adventures have been um, almost everywhere other than Toronto. Um, the COVID has really muffed up my uh, my photography world because um, a lot of my adventures are sort of more down in the States. Um in like Denton, Texas, and uh, Boston, and um, in like San Francisco and stuff. Right. So okay. it's been it's been weird not being able to go see like my Polaroid pals that are all in Texas and um, all abroad.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, you uh, you've been to Policon, right? I have. I, uh,
2: I, I was at the Policon right at the end of the world. <laughs> okay, so, yeah,
1: this last year, right?
2: Yeah, so um, I was at Policon 4.5 or Policon Bay Area, and uh, that happened the weekend that San Francisco shut down. And uh, that was a really surreal experience to uh, be there as everything was, like, winding down. And, uh, you know, the photo walk on Sunday... That we did in oakland uh was kind of interesting because partway through the photo walk we got uh, a notice from the uh the bar that we were going to be um all meeting at that we had half an hour to get there uh, or they were going to lock the doors and we weren't allowed in because uh there was an order that all bars were to shut down but they were like if you get here in half an hour you can still have tacos and beer so (laughs) there was a (laughs) big rush to get there for tacos and beer um it was uh it was surreal, but Policon is, is amazing. Like, uh, Daniel and Armand and Justin and Andy and, uh, you know, the rest of the gang down in Den, Texas, uh, have been doing a fantastic job of putting the Policons together. And, um, it's, it's a hell of a community. Like, it's been really cool to be part of, uh, the Policon family and, uh, have met so many great people through it. And, uh, it's just really opened up uh, my photographic world for sure. Um, you know, shout out to Armand at the Denton Camera Exchange down in Denton, Texas.
1: Right. Yeah. Now right. uh, I'm uh, I'm not much into Polaroid myself, but I mean that uh, that just looks like the best time.
2: It's it's a lot of fun. Like um, the first year I went was Polacon three, and um, that was really cool because um, there was a dude Ian there that had a camera that he made out of a cargo trailer, and he used this like industrial and larger lens that was like you know the size of a small pie plate, and uh, he was able to make like you know huge large format photos inside of this uh, this truck trailer thing, and half of it was camera and the other half of it was a darkroom and he perfected it down to where he could almost make instant photos with uh, the trailer camera where it took about two and a half minutes to take uh, a photo and have it be uh, you know printed on like a positive paper and uh, it was cool to see that and they had the project barbotype there guys there in policon 3 that uh, do tintype work um which was really cool but um also ellen Wishart, who has uh Tintype Portable Studio that uh, travels around Dallas and uh, Texas and other uh, states there. She does fantastic Tintype work. And uh, Brian Giesbrecht, who's out of Chicago, uh, he also does Tintype. And uh, you know, Brian has become a very good friend of mine, and I really admire his work. And so it was really cool to meet all these people and uh, become you know good friends with, with a lot of them. And the Polaroid community is... Uh, is a very interesting one to get into. So I would highly recommend when the world opens up again and we're all allowed to see each other uh, to uh, attend a Policon if you can. It's always free. You just got to get down there. Yeah, that's
1: terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: um, So if you don't mind me asking, where is a good source to find your Polaroid film? I know for me um, there is not one, so I have to order online. Um,
2: well, so I get a lot of my Polaroid from Downtown Camera, but um, you know, ordering online is is not a bad option too because you're always going to get the freshest stuff from Polaroid there. And uh, they have a good rewards program. So if you sign up for the rewards program off the Polaroid.com website, um, you know, it it benefits you after a while to do the orders from there. Um, But Downtown Camera is also good uh, because you do get a bit of a discount if you're an AMFM member there. And they also do a mail order. Um, When I've been ordering Polaroid, what I've found um, is a good sort of economy of scale is buying the five packs because uh, you end up getting one of the packs almost for free when when you buy them in a five pack.
0: Oh, that's okay. interesting. I've never seen the five pack.
2: Yeah, so they they've started bringing them in a bit more because uh, I think like myself and other crazy Polaroid shooters have been buying them more. Um, but they they usually have five packs and two packs um, and. Another thing, too, like if you have a 600 camera, which requires the batteries, um, a lot of the new kind of. Um, oh, can you guys still hear me there?
0: Yeah, I can.
2: Oh, sorry. yeah, we can hear you. Um, a lot of the new funky film that they're releasing is coming out for i-Type only. So that's the cartridges that don't have a battery. So if you have a 600 camera um, that requires a battery, or um, if you have an SX-70 that you want to use the the uh, fancy frame film in, um, one thing that is good to do is hang on to your old cartridges after you uh, shoot the Polaroid, because the battery in them is good for like another run or two at least. And if you have a dark bag, you can buy the i-Type film and inside the dark bag, take the film out and uh, put it into um, the uh, the used cartridge. And um, yeah. If you have an sx70 order the nd filter as well so you can put the nd filter on that cartridge and then you can shoot the 600 speed film in your sx70
0: interesting so um i'm not sure if it's true or not but the new one step twos they will take either the 600 or the i type am i correct
2: Absolutely. yeah. So the one step two, the one step plus, the Polaroid now, um all of those cameras, including the impossible i one and um, you know the uh, uh, Polaroid instant lab that's out there, um all of those will take um, itype and six hundred film. Um, now, the one thing with the any of the new i type cameras is if you're gonna shoot expired film, you might not want to put it in the eye type camera because all the iType type cameras are designed for the new iType type film and the new Polaroid film, which is uh, only eight exposures. Um, So if you have a pack of expired film that you want to use that has 10 exposures in it because the original Polaroid was all 10 shots. So if you throw that expired film in a newer camera, you're going to miss out on those last two shots Or you're going to need to have a dark bag so that you can take that cartridge out in a dark bag, uh, put the dark slide back in, and then put that back in uh, that cartridge back in that camera so you could fire those last two shots. Um, But if you're going to get into expired Polaroid, I would recommend like picking up like a Sun 660 box camera or like a, a, a SLR 680 or something like that.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So um. I when impossible first came out with the black and white polaroid film. I had bought a box of it and every single shot came out with a streak on the bottom and nothing on the top. So I've never purchased the black and white again. I don't know has have they improved things on that end?
2: Yeah so the the latest stuff with uh, with Polaroid now is uh the the formulas have come a long way so the black and white is is really quite beautiful um and it develops a lot faster than the color does um the color has come a long way um it's still nowhere like the original Polaroid stuff used to be um where you know you didn't have to protect it from light and it would develop a lot faster like you know, the color takes like 10, 15 minutes to get a stable image from it. And then like even, even an hour later, you'll see more richness in in the color. Uh, the black and white is like within five, 10 minutes that it's done. Um, so the, the new formulas have, have come a long way and they're always working on improving that as well. So I, I'd say don't be shy in, in picking up, um, you know, a package of uh, the latest film. And that, that's one Uh, thing where buying it directly from polaroid um can be more advantageous for you uh because if you're buying it from like a smaller shop they may not be cycling through their stock um as quickly so you may end up buying some like older near expired stock um so if you buy it directly from polaroid you're always going to get you know fresh stuff that should uh, give you good images but that being said you know, Polaroid is, uh, it's not perfect. And and that's one of the reasons why I like shooting it is, um, it's a frustrating medium sometimes because, um, you may take a shot that you really want it to come out as, you know, as, as best as possible, but there could be like weird streaks or weird aberrations, uh, depending on like how that film was stored or how it was handled before you got it. Um, or if your rollers are dirty in it, um, but that's also one of the things that's kind of ch- cool about shooting Polaroid is that it's a really organic uh, experience that uh, you don't really know what you're getting a lot of the time. If you want perfect images all the time, buy a Fuji Instax.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the Instax maybe seems to be a little bit more consistent.
2: It's a little bit more consistent, but the cameras are kind of shit. And like, not that they're total garbage, but they're just Instax. Its target market is more like um, you know, consumer consumer type. So they want it easy to use, cheap to get. Um, now, if Fuji made a line of like more pro type cameras. Instax would be really cool, um, and there are like other companies that do make cameras that that actually make the Instax film shine. Like, Lamography makes some beautiful cameras for Square. Um, I've been shooting a Lamography Square instant camera for for Instax, and I absolutely love that camera. Um, I got the Leica camera for the Instax Mini, and um, you know that's that's also really great too. And then Mint makes the RF70, uh, which is um, a rangefinder camera for the Instax Wide, and uh, you know, that's a beautiful camera that actually takes full advantage of what that that Instax film can do. Because that Instax film is is a beautiful film, but um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of Fuji's cameras suck. So,
0: right. um, what about the Mint? They have the um, the Mint camera for the... It's a TLR for the Mini.
2: Yeah, so the TLR is pretty that? cool. I, I haven't played with it too much, but um, I've seen the results from it, and it looks pretty cool. Um, I saw that at Policon 3. Um, I haven't had a chance to play with, with that guy much, but Mint does make some really cool cameras. Like, uh, they've got the, uh, the SLR670, which is an SX70 that... Um, has been uh, retrofitted with a new processor board in it. Um, so they have a thing called the time machine that plugs into the flash socket that allows you to have full manual control of the camera and stuff, which is uh, quite cool. And um, I'm going to be getting something similar to that. There's a, a gentleman in Texas uh, named Zane Pollard that does a lot of... Um, uh, repairs of SX-70s and SLR-680s and like the folding Polaroid cameras. And uh, Zane's been doing a lot of work with the Open sx 70 project guys. And uh, he had an extra board uh, for a, a Sonar SX-70 that um, he's putting into a camera for me because they want to see um, what it's like and like for studio use because I've been using Polaroids a lot uh, for doing like studio shooting with uh, with some friends. So okay. that should give me some similar control to like what the mint has,, uh, just not as refined as as mint uh, has done.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Um, So should we maybe move along into our questions?
1: Yeah, I can I can start off. Um, okay. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been following you, Merlin, for the, for the last probably two or three years, and uh, one thing I noticed is that a lot of the times you have a Nikon F5 in your hand. Uh, Sherry and I uh, both have Nikon F5s as well, and we're big fans of the camera. Uh, what specifically kind of drew you to the F5? Um,
2: well, the F5 has been interesting because. Um, toronto has a really great um used equipment Oh, well, toronto had a really great used equipment thing on like Kajuji and all that but then hipsters kind of ruined all the prices um <laughs> and yeah you know, originally it started off like i got an f80 and i was like i always wanted an f80 and now i got one and i can shoot and then i found a really good deal on an f100 i'm like i always wanted an f100 this is amazing and it was like dream camera and i got like the um the extra grip for it and all that stuff and then an f5 came up for like i think i got this guy for like 250 bucks and um i was like oh my god i've always wanted one i didn't think i could ever afford an f5 and here's one for 250 bucks and um i've had the f5 now for like three and a half years and it's become like my main camera it go it goes with me everywhere especially after um it got stolen from me a couple of years ago at a gallery show that I was doing for mental health, which was kind of ironic because, um, it's my main mental health tool. Like, that's what I use photography for is to sort of exercise a lot of mental health stuff. And so it felt kind of ironic that, you know, at this gallery show for mental health, my, my primary tool got stolen from me. Um, and it was gone for about a month. And uh, a friend of mine on Instagram, girl with camera, her girl in camera, Martina in Hamilton, she sent me a link on LetGo, and she's like, "Hey, is this your camera?" And uh, I looked at it, and I was like, "Holy shit! I think that's my camera." Um, and luckily, I had a picture of the serial number cuz a good friend of mine uh Chris Cohen in Edmonton he's always wanted an F5 and he's like send me all the pictures of your F5 oh my god and so I took a bunch of pictures of it and sent them to him and one of them had the serial number clearly on it so I printed that out went and confronted the guy and got it back and ever since then um it goes with me everywhere cuz I'm Terrified of losing it again, so it comes with me to work. I work at Dell, and uh, people think it's funny when, you know, the tech guy that's supposed to talk to them about you know digital technologies is walking in with his film camera. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it goes with me shopping and to the grocery store and like everywhere. The the F5 and me are our homies. His name is Woodrow, after Woody <laughs> Guthrie, and uh, I've, I've stenciled on the front of it. This machine stops time because um, it's a bit of a time machine captures moments
0: well that's a really yeah. neat way to look at it
1: yeah and that's that's amazing you were able to get your camera back because you know oftentimes uh, situations like that usually don't have a happy ending
2: no they don't like I, I lost uh f100 in vancouver last year um which also was kind of funny because i was buying a super graphic and I put it down on the counter while I was talking to the guy and negotiating, buying the super graphic and someone swiped it. Well, um, I was buying this other camera. So I looked at it as the camera gods were saying, all right, you can get this one, but we're taking this one away from you. Okay. Um, l- luckily, um, I had just loaded a fresh roll of film in it. So I hadn't taken a single shot on it. Um, and so I didn't lose any images, and I wasn't really emotionally attached to that camera, so it was a bit of a bummer, um, but not like losing the F5. Like it just, I don't know. There's something, something special about the F5s. Like the the way they feel, like they're super chunky, um, and because I do a lot of street photography, I also feel safe with it. Because if someone comes at me, I can clock them with it, and you know, <laughs> they they won't be coming at me too hard after they get smoked with that thing. And uh, I'll still be able to take pictures with it. Because you know, the, just the the war stories you hear of people um, that shoot the F5s like professionally have fascinated me as well. And I'm, because I, it goes with me everywhere and, and I travel with it so much, it's starting at kind of a cool patina on it where it's like wearing in all these different spots, which I kind of like, cause it's like, it's it's aging and growing with me.
1: Yeah, if that was a, a brass Leica, you know, you could sell that for a heavy premium.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, I haven't quite entered the Leica realm yet, but you know, maybe one day. Uh, I missed out on an M four with a fifty mil sumicron that was super like the guy said, you know, it's it's a photographer special because it it's really rough and it's been it's been put through its paces, but it still shoots. And it went for nine hundred and fifty bucks. And I missed it by like two minutes, the guy said. He was just like, I just uh, sold it like two minutes ago and I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of money to uh, to get into like but I mean worst case scenario you can always sell it for what you paid for it or more. Yeah, and like I I there's like a
2: romantic like there's like a romantic aspect about like wanting to shoot like an m4 and m6 because like a lot of the photographers that i admire like that's what they shoot with and it'd be kind of cool to like have that feeling but i'm also like i have so many 35 millimeter cameras that like i can't really justify that like what's been taking a lot of my time lately like the the camera that i really love shooting with lately is uh my wista four by five um that's uh his name's rufus and uh that's the camera that i've been using the most lately you know, between like the the Wista uh, the uh, F5 and uh, an SX70 and an SLR 680, like that's sort of my main rotation of cameras.
1: Okay, um, going back to the to the F5, uh, what sort of glass do you uh, usually have on that thing? Um, so originally the main
2: lens that that I used to wander around with all the time and uh, this was when i was shooting uh, digital and then when i went to film um is a 28-105 3.5 4.5 d um this that lens is it's it's like a ninja lens ken rockwell wrote a, a big article about it being like you know one of canon's sort of like secret weapon lenses um and it's it's really cool i like shooting that one um a lot but um maybe a year and a half ago i picked up a 50 1.4 d and uh ever since i got that it hasn't really left the camera um that's that's been my main uh lens is the 51.4 um it's just been really cool uh for because i like doing a lot of street photography um and a lot of the time it's it's getting sort of like uh, closer to nighttime when i'm out wandering around so having the 1.4 definitely helps um and i just sort of adapt it to like the 50 mil range um so that even when i'm doing studio shoots um i'll have the f5 with the the 50 1.4 and then i'll usually have and i'm shooting color in that and then i'll have an f100 with a 51.8 that i shoot black and white with so that i can just switch between cameras
0: that 1.4 is a really good lens i've got the same one
2: it's it's a gorgeous lens. Like I just have fallen so so in love with it.
0: Right, right. So um, now, what is your preference, color film or black and white, and uh, why?
2: Oh, so that's a tough one because um, I love color. Um, color is is fun. Um, and you know, some of my favorite color film well, Portra 400, it's just such a versatile versatile film. You can abuse the heck out of it and it'll always give you um, nice images. Um, and then The Sinistil 800, I really dig that one quite a bit. Um, but then Black and White, There's there's something about when you get images in black and white that just have a, a feeling and an emotion that you don't get with color and um so i try and balance it out and do a bit of both and like that's the cadence i've sort of set with my my instagram is i go back and forth between posting three color and three black and white every day and so ever since i started that cadence it's it's pushed me to shoot more black and white because i find i tend to just sort of lean more to color um with black and white my all-time favorite and and a lot of people kind of give me shit for this but I love Ilford XP2 400. I have a soft spot for it because I lived in a place where we didn't have a proper photo lab. I'd take my stuff to London Drugs, and they just did C41. And uh, I really like the grain that XP2 400 has. Um, and then also, like you know, I'm impatient, so I can get same day black and white, which is kind of fun when I take it to the photo lab. Uh, but also, like you know, Tri-X is really great. Um, T Max 3200 has like a really beautiful grain that I dig, and then um, a real sort of favorite is tossed between Ferrania P30 um, and uh, Eastman Double X. Like Eastman, th- those two are probably some of my most favorite black and whites I've shot. Have either been on P30 or Double X.
1: Yeah, great choices. Uh, those are both films that I love very much.
0: And uh, don't let anybody give you heck over that Ilford XP2. I love that film, too.
1: It's, it's so a great easy. film,
0: right? Yeah. It is.
2: It's, it's easy. And, like, so the first roll of film that I shot after, like, almost 10 years of not shooting anything was a roll of XP2-400 in my mom's AE1 that um, she shot all of my childhood uh, with. And uh, when I got the pictures back from that, like, it just... It 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 actually kind of made me cry when I was like going through because I was just like holy shit like these are beautiful, and a real turning point for wanting to shoot more 35 millimeter film was um, picking up that uh, that AE one when I was visiting Camloops a couple of years ago and putting a roll of XP two four hundred in it.
0: Uh, the, part of the reason I like it is like I home process. There are no labs here, out where I live, and and so I do have to do it myself. It's, uh, I can throw like any other color film in the tank with it and just be done. I don't nice. have to get out the other chemicals and take twice the time to do both, if that makes sense.
2: No, that makes total sense. You know, that's, yeah, that's it, It's a really cool film, and uh, I think it deserves a bit more love. Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of love for the guys Delford there, and you know, shout out to Michael Bain. He's a, he's a good homie from Milford. Um, miss visiting that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. With COVID, we miss visiting everybody.
2: Yeah, so much. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, really. I, I didn't realize how global my community was until I had to sit at home in my apartment in Toronto by myself. And I was like, wow, I don't really know a lot of people in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man. Okay, Jake. Do you have another question?
1: Uh, do you know what I was actually just going through <laughs> the Facebook chat to uh, okay. to find my to find my third question? So you can go ahead, Sherry.
0: Okay. So um, you mentioned our, um, earlier, before we started recording, that you have an Instagram uh, chat that you have run on Instagram. Can you tell us a little bit? about that and what it's all about
2: yeah so I I do this weekly thing every Thursday at uh, 8pm Eastern, 5pm Pacific called Photography Chat Um, and it kind of started as a joke a few months ago um, because you know we were all stuck at home in quarantine and I saw all these people doing lives. and one day I decided while I was cooking dinner to just be like let's do a live and throw my camera and see what this is about and uh so i just did this thing i was called cooking with merlin and um it was kind of i did a couple lives of that and people would t- drop in and then i figured out you can invite someone to share a video with you and so i just started like if someone joined in i'd just be like hey you're going to be on video with me and um it kind of morphed into because a lot of photography people would would come into it we just start talking about photography stuff and uh there's this cat named Jason Moore in Los Angeles. Um, He, he and I did basically like the inaugural um, photography chat where we had a bunch of people in like this is great. You should do this more often. And uh, so we kicked that off. He was episode one. And I was like, you know what? I know a lot of photographers. I bet I could probably find at least one a week that uh, would want to spend an hour with me to just sort of, bullshit or whatever or answer questions from uh, the Instagram crowd and uh, you know we're coming up on episode 18 tomorrow um, so people are still interested like I've got people booked up into next year already to to join me and so it's been really interesting to uh, you know spend an hour with uh, with a different photographer every week and just chat with them and like let people on Instagram ask them questions and yeah, you know, I, I had a dude from France, uh, Tony, who was just—he messaged me being like, "Hey, like, I don't know if I'm that interesting, but you know, I'd volunteer to be a, a victim on your show." And he was like, "Wicked interesting." Um, <laughs> he he was like a really cool dude. Um, yeah, there's there's just been a lot of people that I would have never expected to have on like my my guest last week was Grant Britain, who's uh, you know, one of like probably the most legendary skateboard photographers um in the world and he surprised the hell out of me because he was the first one to he's like hey do you want some promo pictures and i was like sure you could send me some photos and he sent me like 400 megs in a zip file of like all of these photos of his um and i i know only his skateboarding work but he had a bunch of his fine art stuff in there which i was like holy shit grant like this this is amazing like you know more people need to see this stuff so we we talked a little bit about uh about that and it was just it was a really cool it's been a cool experience and i don't know what the project's going to morph into but you know as long as people keep agreeing to chat with me and people keep showing up i guess i'll keep doing it
0: it sounds like you've actually found a niche that needed to be filled
2: yeah it's it's been it's been a lot of fun um so yeah it allows
0: everybody to connect in a time where like you said you're sitting at home in your apartment by yourself realizing i don't know anybody this way you've got a connection where you you're not alone you know it brings that yeah. connection
2: yeah like it's it's definitely um it's been an interesting way to connect to people um and I, I, I guess I was always or I still am intimidated about the idea of like, you know, becoming a vlogger or doing like a podcast because, um, you know, there's there's a lot of background work that you have to do on that to, to do the production, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with because we're on a podcast right now. Um, but the Instagram live is literally just push the button on the live and then you talk until the timer runs out and then you just post it. And am like, perfect. This is right up my alley. <laughs>
0: seriously if you knew how much production i put into this it's like hardly nothing <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it's fair. like we we go on the fly around here and i think it's more fun that way because it's spontaneous and it's whatever you know happens happens and it's not so scripted
2: yeah and that's kind of like the approach i've taken with the photography chats is like i I don't have an agenda when I'm talking to people, like I'll I'll know a bit of like, you know, who they are and what they are working on so that we can sort of probe some of that stuff if there's no questions from um, the Instagram community. But, you know, usually, um, you know, something will come up in, in the chat or um, people just ramble and uh, we'll get some like interesting stories that way, which I've found is a lot more fun because it's just, it's more organic and it, it's more uh, honest. And then something that's a bit more scripted with like an agenda.
0: Exactly. I 100% agree. So um, I have one more question for you. So how important is photography in your life?
2: Uh, it's, it's the massive part of my life now. Um, it's, it's something that uh, I, I wouldn't be able to, uh, to live without, honestly. Um, it's a huge tool for my mental health. Um, it's a way that I communicate with uh, with people around me. Um, it's a way that I could collaborate with others. Um, you know that would be it, it would be a tragic loss for me if I were to not be able to to shoot at all anymore. so it's it's pretty important, I'd say
0: right, right. Um, and I guess that's all the questions I have for you, Jake. Do you have any more?
1: Yeah, I've got uh, I've got one more for you, Merlin. All right. So uh, for the last couple of years, uh, Merlin and I have been uh, running a buy and sell group on uh, Facebook called uh, Canadian Film Photo Gear uh, Buy Trade Sell. <laughs> yep. Uh. So, I guess, uh, you know, in this day and age, we do everything online, and that includes buying cameras. So, uh, Merlin, do you have any general tips on uh, buying and selling cameras online? I'm going to be really honest.
2: I hate it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I
1: I hate it too, Merlin.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I don't actually. Buy anything online because um, I'm impulsive and I just need things when I want to buy them. So the idea of like giving someone money in an imaginary machine and then hoping something shows up at some point just really okay. is uncomfortable for me. So um, I don't like okay. doing it. And then when I've tried to sell things online, people are dicks like (laughs) i'm sorry to say that but it's just like man there's like one so i sold my nikon 35 ti last year kind of begrudgingly but also because i was like i don't shoot this much it it just was like an object of desire and i really wanted to have one because it's just such a beautiful camera and then i had it and i shot some rolls with it and i hate the autofocus on it but it was so beautiful that i forgave it for how shitty the autofocus is um and then it just sat around and i felt bad that it was just languishing in my house when it really should be out there shooting in the world because like the way i look at cameras is, is like i don't own any of these cameras i'm just a caretaker of them until the next person um comes across them and i felt like i wasn't being a very good caretaker to the 35 ti so i posted it on kijiji for like 800 bucks and then some dudes like, I'll give you four <laughs> oh. <laughs> hundred. And I was like, okay, this is insulting enough that we need to have a conversation. <laughs> and I was like, dude, what? Like really? You're going like half, like half? Like if you came at me and were like seven fifty or like seven hundred, I'm like, you it would have been your camera, but now like you said four hundred if you offered me like $1,000, I would tell you to go get stuffed because like this was just really insult. Like you will never have this camera now from me if if you offered me the right price because like that's ridiculous. And he's like, oh, well, I'm used to buying bicycle parts and it's I guess it's a little different. And I'm like, I don't think that going like half price on something is ever a good thing, regardless of what you're buying. Like this is really insulting, dude. And that's just sort of the frustration I found with online buying and selling is that you know people are just dicks so I don't I don't really like doing it I do buy a lot through like Kijiji. um that's been a good thing but that's where you can just go meet the people which is harder now in COVID times um but you know that being said I know lots of people that do it and enjoy it and um have gotten some really rad stuff that I potentially am missing out because I'm such a snob about online purchasing. Um, But when I do buy stuff, like if I need to get something um, that I can't find locally, like I'll talk to like my friend Armand at the Denton camera exchange or like another camera store and see if I can get it through a a channel like that. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just really hate selling shit online.
1: (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's always nerve wracking to, you know, spend a good chunk of change on a new camera and you know you're a thousand miles away from this camera you have no idea what's actually like until it's in your hands and uh make things go horribly sideways sometimes well
2: yeah see like that that's the thing that also scares me about it is like you know there's, there's no, it's not like buying something from Best Buy where you're, or Amazon where you're like, oh, I didn't like it, I can just like, you know, get a return and get a refund. You know, this, no, they're not making new cameras anymore, so we're buying all of this like ancient stuff, and fingers crossed it's not going to be a piece of garbage when it gets to you. And that's the thing that's scary when you're buying a lot of these cameras. Like, I would never touch a contacts as beautiful as they are. Like, those things terrify the hell out of me. And even the 35Ti scared the hell out of me. and Maybe that's why I didn't shoot it very much was because it was like, this is beautiful and I like shooting it. But when this dies, it's a brick. And like same thing with my F5. Like I've already um, prepped myself for the day that it'll die. (laughs) Because it's it's all electronic. And I know one day it's just going to like, you know, not take pictures for me anymore. And I'm just going to have to be okay with that. Um, and then just move on to another camera, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the shitty thing about, uh, these electronic cameras and especially the, uh, the premium compact, uh, point and shoots. You know, there's no more of these cameras being made, obviously. And usually that means that there's no parts available, you know, once, once that, uh, part supply dries up you know when your camera dies it's dead
2: yeah and that's the thing like it's great that like kodak is still committed to producing film and fuji does whatever fuji Fuji does. Um, mm. You know, Ilford is is always been a good friend of, of film, and then you've got like the little boutique guys that are coming up, like Lemography and uh, Ferrania and Revlock and those guys. Like, it's cool that like, there's a healthy film production, um, you know, industry going on, but it kind of sucks that Leo you know, outside of like cheap plastic point and shoots, no one's making new 35 millimeter cameras, and so it's just like we only have. The stock that's out there for like you know the cameras that were made decades ago now like
1: um, unless you want to spend uh you know five or six grand on a on a new leica mp
2: yeah that's true the the huh. mechanical perfection is is quite the the lovely camera and yeah. so maybe one day i'll get a leica sorry was that
0: yeah, I just read here, was it maybe last week, that uh, Nikon has quit making the F6?
2: Yeah, they, they stopped the F6 um, a while ago now. So um, you can still get it CLA'd. Um, I, I need to call Nikon because they, a, a few months ago, were still, I think, CLAing the F5, but it's now no longer an option on the website. So I was going to call in to see if like I can maybe sneak... My camera in for a CLA if they have any parts left still and get a little bit more life out of it. Um, So you just reminded me that I have to call Nikon about that Um, because you know if I can get a CLA on this guy, that that would be wonderful. Um, But you know I I have the F3 as well too, which um, I like to to pull out every now and then and run
1: a roll through it uh, just to to keep it peppy. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of the F3, but uh, I uh, I sold the F3 that I had a couple of years ago, and I uh, you know it's one of those cameras that as soon as I sold I I deeply regretted it. Uh, but uh, but last year I was able to find one locally for a, a very good price, but of course the uh, the film advance on it is just so you know it loose and sloppy that it's, uh it, it really drives me nuts to shoot, but uh, I'm gonna send it out for a CLA here soon. Well, so
2: the the F3 that I have, I, like it's funny you mentioned the um, the Facebook group that, that we're part of. I bought that off of Sabu, the gentleman that uh, roped both of us into running the yeah. uh, the Facebook thing. And Sabu's been an interesting film mentor to have. Um, I met him when I bought my SLR 680, and um, that broke like a month after I bought it. And uh, I called him up being like, dude, you told me this was mint, like, you know, WTF. And he felt super bad about it. He was like, you know what? Come back to the studio, because I told him that I sent it to Brooklyn Film Camera. It was going to be like 400 bucks to get it fixed um he was like you mentioned that you wanted to get into medium format so he's like here take this and he gave me a bronica sqai to uh play with um and he just he kind of baited me from there because like he got me hooked on the film and you know so it was just like first it was the slr 680 and then he got me in with the sqai and then he called me up and he's like hey i got this, this minty f3 Um, it was like, it belonged to like, you know, dude that did like automobile photography in Toronto here. And I'm like, I don't need it, but holy shit, it's a good price. (laughs) Um, so I ended up getting the F3 and like, he got me into the large format and it's, it's scary how easy it is to slip into a really, uh, deep film addiction. (laughs) (laughs) And Sabu was really sort of like my pusher for that. He, uh, but I'm grateful for it because, like, my my world has changed completely because of uh, film photography and, and the community, You know, not only in the Polaroid side, but just, you know, abroad, like all of the the um, film communities. Um, there's just a lot of really great people out there that I would have never met had it not been for photography.
0: You're listening right. to a 30-second well, demo. Like it's probably Go premium to download to the entire a little file. Break. We'll be right back. This Polaroid instant camera actually has a computer inside. It works out the exposure. You don't need a light meter. Hmm. You don't have to measure distance either. The focusing's done for you. Hmm. And you don't worry about light. The built in flash gives you just the right amount. That's it. Just press the button. There you are in 90 seconds razor-sharp image and bright lasting colors. Polaroid. Just press the perfect pictures. And we are back. So um, we had a question in our Facebook group this week and I meant to post it last week but I forgot to do it and that's totally my fault. So the question of the week comes from Gary Clennon, and he donated to our Ko-Fi fund for a new computer. Thank you, Gary. And he chose the topic of what do you do to bust a creative rut? And let me pull up these responses. The first one was from Bill Smith. If he was in a creative rut... He would visit the Art Gallery of Ontario to get some inspiration. Granted, this was pre-pandemic. Do you guys have anything to add?
1: Uh, Well, I guess I can jump in on that one. Um, I'm uh, unfortunate even though I I live in a relatively small city. uh, We have a great art gallery here uh, with uh, pieces from artists from around the world and i'm not uh, I'm not much into the art world myself, but it's it's always you know very inspiring to to walk to the gallery and uh, you know see what they have uh, on exhibit at the time. Uh, you know there's a lot of parallels between uh, I guess painting and photography. and I guess maybe kind of the one thing that I take from it is you know, I take a look at a painting, and I see an interesting composition. I will kind of, you know, put that in the back of my mind.
0: Okay. Um, the next response was yeah. from Bet- oh, Bet. oh, go ahead. Yeah, Merlin.
2: It like it, when when I feel like I'm I'm in a bit of a, a rut, um, I'll I'll try walking around a different neighborhood that I haven't been to before and uh, just see if there's anything interesting. Um, and sometimes I don't always like take photos with it. It's just sort of like, just looking to sort of see what's interesting and make mental notes to maybe come back later and shoot that when the light's better or when, you know, the, the condition theme, see more apt. but, you know, just walking somewhere different, somewhere new helps sometimes.
0: Okay. Uh, Betsy Carl says, I do something else. I should clarify, I like watercolors, quilting, weaving, and knitting. So sometimes letting the camera nap while I try something else sparks creativity. She's entirely right. I do the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to take a break every once in a while. You know, sometimes the time away can you know, help you bust out sort of the rut. Yeah, that,
2: that helps. I, I like kind of just spacing out and listening to some music sometimes too. Um, and hitting up like different friend, like creative friends to be like, hey, like what what's inspiring you lately music-wise um, has been interesting too to, you know, learn some new different uh, tunes that I haven't uh, known before. And then sometimes, like when you're listening to the music, it just invigorates some some creative energy.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm on the same page there, Merlin. Uh, music is a is a huge part of my life, and you know it sometimes goes hand in hand with uh, with photography, uh, just as you mentioned. Um, but uh, but anyway. Um, I'll go ahead with the next one here. Uh Sam Warner says, "I watch YouTube. I follow some great photographers and I always draw inspiration from them."
2: Yeah, I I like that too. So like YouTube is is something that I uh will begrudgingly admit I probably spend more time on than um yeah, I probably should, but um there there are some really interesting Photographers on there. I think one of my favorites so far is uh, Grainy Days. Um, Jason kind of kills me with his delivery and, like, just, you know, (laughs) the the stuff he gets. He's not pretentious, he's, you know, a bit self deprecating, and I can get behind that.
0: Right. I, I admit I'm not a YouTuber, but I am a library fanatic. So, books, tons and tons of books
2: yeah books like photo books are great so like that's yeah. something that i've been investing a bit more in and i've got like a healthy wish list of like more that i'd like but um yeah there's there's some um photo books that i've gotten along the way that um it's it's nice to thumb through when you're uh, feeling low yourself to just see if there's anything that, that sparks something in you
0: that's that's why the library is so awesome because you can take them out. You can it's like previewing them, and if it's something that you just absolutely love, then you can purchase it. But if it's something that's meh, you, you're you know you can enjoy it and then return it for someone else.
2: Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, if, if you do get a chance, like I don't know if if you'd be able to find them in the libraries, but um, a, a bunch of books that really um sparked a lot of interest and made me want to shoot more on, on polaroid where uh, land's polaroid was a really great book that goes over sort of like the history of like the original polaroid um in the impossible like uh the impossible project um that one's a really good one too there, there's a ton of great um polaroid books out there that uh that are quite inspiring
0: Okay, so we can go on to, or Jake, do you have anything to add? Sorry.
1: Nope, nope, we can go ahead and move on.
0: Okay, so the next one is Nancy Urquhart Bueller. hope I said that right, Nancy. I try to find some new things to look at driving to a new neighborhood or a new town, or I try a different camera to reset my brain.
1: Yeah, but uh that goes back to, to what Merlin was saying earlier. You know, just just re, you know, going out and exploring new areas, you know, even if it's in the same town is uh, is a real great way to switch things up.
0: She has a point though, even if you can't travel anywhere, like right now we shouldn't really be traveling anywhere, so maybe grabbing a different camera you haven't used for quite some time might be the thing to just reignite your passion.
2: Well, and like we, we do need to be safe in in these times, but I think like if you're, it wouldn't be irresponsible if you were to go for a drive and avoid contact with people and like, you know, be masked and like do sort of like distance exploring from your car. Um, and that, like in the original lockdown, that was something that um, I would do. I was doing this like quarantine Polaroids project uh, for a bit where I was trying to take like a Polaroid a day and uh, I ended up trying to like I, I bought all of the Polaroid I could find in like the GTA area through like Best Buy curbside pickup um, and that sort of led me having to drive around to different Best Buys because I would buy all of their Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> um so i i don't think like it's it's necessarily a, a bad thing if you're like being masked and responsible to do some exploring in these um you know unprecedented times we're in right now
1: yeah absolutely of course you know it's it's all about common sense yeah I which is
2: to... not <laughs> that common apparently <laughs> <laughs> no you're Sorry, go ahead, Sherry. Sorry, what was that, Sherry? I
0: I was just going to say if you were out where I am and there's no people for 10 miles, you don't need a mask.
2: Yeah, <laughs> th- that's very true, like um but I mean, for for some of the people out there, and you know, I'll say it loud for the people in the back, the mask goes over the nose.
0: <laughs> oh, I had to go into <laughs> town yesterday and I walked into one place and, of course, I keep my distance from everybody and their their nose is pulled down and their chin and their nose is sticking out. What's the point of wearing it?
2: Yeah, it makes no sense. Like, you know, I feel like people that do the nose masking, you know, it's like, it, it just makes no sense. Like, it's like, what are you going to do? Cut the tips off of your condoms and be like, hey, I'm still protected, right? No, <laughs> you're, you're not at all. <laughs> like, it's you got to like have it all the way you know or just yeah. don't wear a mask like
0: so if it's... i have to wear it so do you
2: well you know? and it's just a common sense thing and just it's a kindness it's not even common it's a kindness so it's like you know i wear a mask because i don't want other people to be potentially hurt and you know i don't want them to hurt me and i don't understand why it's like such a difficult thing it doesn't minimize oxygen um, like i've heard and you look at other kind con- of like in more a- asian countries i guess specifically where they're just more used to wearing masks in general and their numbers are like far lower and you don't really hear of any like anti mask movements there where they're just having parades where people are getting sick for some stupid reason <laughs> makes no sense yeah. sorry I, I kind of dragged us on a tangent there.
0: Uh, we've, we have mandatory, it's mandatory now here everywhere in the province as of yesterday. So, yeah. We've had yeah. a lot of ru- new rules come in as of yesterday. And I, I realize this episode's going to come out a couple weeks after we record it. But, uh, yeah. It, they, it'll still be in effect till at least mid-January and then maybe if the numbers start to go down, they'll relax, but...
2: Well, and, and I mean, like, if we really want this across the board to be better, like, you know, I think masks are just going to be part of our daily lives for quite some time. Like, even after the vaccine, like, once they start getting the vaccine out there, like, it's going to probably be at least a year or more before everyone is, is all vaccinated. Um, so it's like, you know just buckle up and get used to masks it's just part of the world now I guess
0: yeah yeah anyway so let's move on (laughs) so um Steven Marmoff I change up my camera so many choices pinhole 35 medium format and half frame
2: ooh half frame
0: nice have you shot half frame
2: i have it's uh it's interesting it takes forever to get through a roll <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> like it's it was kind of interesting when when i loaded up and i was like wow I'm 72 holy shit that's a lot of pictures
0: <laughs> oh you put a 36 in there oh no
2: I did, and it took so long to get through it, And which is, like, I can usually burn through 36 in my F5, like, you know. I, when I'm doing peak shooting before the world ended, like, I'd be going through, like, five, six rolls a week easily um, on the F5. Um, but the the half frame, that took forever. But it's cool. Like, it's, it's neat how the half frame works.
0: So were you shooting natural diptychs and triptychs with it, or just separate frames
2: they were separate i didn't think that far ahead with that one i was just sort of shooting it as i would um any other camera and i did a roll in it and i was like that's neat and now it's just sort of sitting in a bag so that's the camera that i'll probably try and sell um but one camera that i did start doing diptychs with that's really cool that um you know to uh, this this gentleman's point changing the camera out can sometimes be inspiring Uh, was the polaroid mini passport with two lenses so it's a pack film camera that was designed for id um portraits um and it's infuriating as heck because it has a really tiny focusing range because it's made for shooting id portraits um but you can do some really cool diptychs with it um so yeah, like that's it's switching up cameras can really help if you're in a creative funk because, you know, the, the mini passport got me out of one recently.
0: Cool.
1: Sounds like an interesting camera.
2: <laughs> it's it's neat. Like it's uh, it was one of those random because I have an addiction to camera stuff. So it's like I will troll Kijiji almost daily seeing like what's up for sale in Toronto. Yeah or wherever i am just looking for like you know camera stuff and the mini passport was one that came up for like 80 bucks i think and it's like i don't need another pack film camera but i want that one (laughs) i'm (laughs) I'm glad i bought it because it's been really cool to do diptychs with it and uh you know just have something that makes you think a little bit differently I think that's something that helps getting out of a creative rut is having something that gets you out of a routine that you've developed. If you're using the same camera and the same lens over and over, kind of thing, um, it just maybe gets you in a repetitive rut that you get bored with.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's definitely important to uh, to switch it up every once in a while if you can kind of br- break the uh, monotony of things.
2: Yeah, I mean if sure. you really want to torture yourself, get large format. That's um <laughs> that that'll really shake you up a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: somehow I think that would torture me way too much.
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's something um, um Sabu had said when getting into large format, he's like it's somewhere between meditating and wanting to kill yourself. <laughs> oh. Uh (laughs) and uh he was not wrong it's there's been times where i just want to like drop kick the camera across the studio um and other times where i'm like this is the best thing ever
0: okay yeah so next question do you want to take this one jake
1: yeah uh we'll do one one more yeah all right uh let's go Alex. So Alex, he says, pull out a road map, close my eyes, then drop a finger, drive to the nearest town that my finger dropped onto. I like that. Yeah, and I, I guess that that goes back to, uh, to what we were talking about before. Uh you know, just finding new scenery i know uh you know just the way i do photography i like to to walk around and sometimes i walk around the same areas for you know months on end and after a while it uh it really becomes a challenge to come up with new compositions
2: yeah it definitely can yeah
1: but uh no, I need to do a lot more of that myself, Alex, as, you know, branch out.
0: Right, right, yeah. Mm. So, there's there's one more. I have to read this one. It's from Leonid Nikishkin. He says, nothing, ruts end one way or the other. The important thing is to not allow me to hate myself for having them. Ruts happen. It's part of the mm. process. Nothing to lose if lose it over. I did try the opposite, pushing myself extra hard during creative ruts, shoot more, research more, get inspiration, etc. But nothing meaning, meaningful has come out of it. Patience is key.
2: That's very true. Like you just gotta be gentle to yourself sometimes, and uh, you know, pushing sometimes can make it even worse. Because you just end up getting in sort of like a self-loathing, hating yourself spiral, which doesn't help the creative aspect at all. So sometimes get, nothing is, is good.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with Leonid. When I get in a rut, I just kind of put everything down for a while and, and just be kind to myself.
1: Yeah, you know, I've been uh, I've been taking a lot of time away from photography, uh, not willingly, uh, but uh, you know, it kind of makes you you know want to be creative even more, you know, because you know, as they say, you know, the the time away makes the heart grow fonder. I, I think that's especially true with photography.
0: You know, I've just been going through this humongous creative rut myself and today actually for the first time i was sitting thinking you know i'm about ready to pick that camera up again and uh, some ideas are starting to pop into my head and i think i think the rut's finally going to end and it's it's about time because it's been like two months coming so One,
2: one one thing that i do even when i'm in a rut is um I still carry my camera with me wherever I go, even if I'm not really feeling like shooting anything, because sometimes you never know what you're going to come across. And, um, you know, you may be in a rut, and then you see something that sort of, like, strikes you or inspires you, and you don't have a camera with you. (laughs) So I've just made it a habit to, like, always just have it hanging off my shoulder.
1: Yeah, how how many times has that happened? (laughs) You know, you uh you're out and about, no camera, and you see, you know, the perfect scene that you would just love to take a picture of, and no camera.
0: Well, I'm I'm going to say something that's probably really going to blow your minds. But <laughs> I, know, I, know I what shoot to my say. iPhone all <laughs> the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I I do too, and here's it's great to have it and you know they're all different tools but the iphone is the same way i feel about digital where it's like it's great to have it but then i have all these pictures in my iphone that i don't really do anything with other than maybe text it to a friend or something um and i can't post them on my instagram because you know it's all film now and some troll will like you know crap on me for posting an iphone photo on my you know film photography instagram so god forbid that ever happens uh but...
0: i don't put them up on my instagram but i do print them they're my oh, problems okay. albums are all full of them
2: that's cool well i've been thinking about like the the instant lab or like uh, one of those instax bluetooth printers or something to like um, you know, print the this, the iPhone photos, because I, I met a guy on one of the Polaroid adventures that has one of those like Instax printers, and he'll take mm-hmm. photos with his iPhone and then print them out on Instax, and that was kind of cool. I've done
0: that too, but I, I actually, I have an Epson printer here at home, and I'll just uh, pop them onto the computer and print them off.
2: Yeah, I've been blown away by like, you know, what the iPhone cameras can do, like you know, I don't have a fancy one. I have the the eight plus. It's a little old now, but like the the portrait mode on it has uh, has blown my mind a bit. And then I heard like rave reviews about the uh, iPhone uh, twelve, like you know, with all of its crazy uh, camera functions on it. And you know, it's the the cell phone cameras have come a hell of a way from uh, where they used to be.
0: Even even the um, old ones like five years ago, I've got oodles of prints from them. Like they'll just print off a four by six so nicely.
2: Yeah, if you're doing yeah, if you're doing something that size, like that would still work work really well. And, and like some of the older tech is cool. So like one of my favorite cameras to bust out sometimes if I'm like you know needing to. Play with something different just to get my head in in a different space is uh, I've got this Kodak DCS 760 which is it's a Nikon F5 body that Kodak grafted a six megapixel sensor into and um, it's just it's a wild camera and um, it takes crazy photos because it's a it's a CMOS sensor on it not a CCD. So it has, like, a really different way that it processes the the light. And, uh, you know, for even though it's 6 megapixels, I love some of the photos that come out of that more than, uh, you know, photos that I get out of my, like, fancy Nikon D610, which I think that thing's, like, 24 megapixels or something. Um, I like the photos I get out of the DCS more most of the time.
0: Yeah, I, I have a D800 and i do enjoy it but i love actually the film shots i get more
2: well and yeah so like the d800 that's a fantastic camera too um when i'm doing shoots with people i prefer to shoot it with film because i find i like it i like the photos i get more but also i don't have to do as much editing (laughs) Exactly. When when you shoot digital, you end up with like, I don't know, a couple hundred photos, and then you only like 50 of them. Uh, But then when you're shooting film, it's like you shoot two or three rolls, and you're like, perfect.
0: So you don't have to sit in the chair of death for hours?
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. I I love uh... to hate Lightroom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I have to ask you since you shoot mostly film when you are picking up your digital camera do you find that you shoot it like you would shoot film and take 25 or 30 photos per session and call that good
2: no i get back into bad habits whenever i pick the digital and it's just like spray and pray because it's you can uh now one of the things i do do with my digital when i'm shooting film is I use my digital like people used to use Polaroid uh, peel apart film back in the day. So I'll set the scene up and get the lighting set up. And then I'll use my digital to do a couple of like test shots. So I'll set the the D610 to the same ISO um, that I'm shooting the film at just to see what the lighting looks like, uh, before I go to film. So I can get an idea of like, um, do I like how the lighting is landing and am I happy with that before I, I, you know, put anything on, uh, on film. That's what I've been using my digital mostly for is just for light testing basically.
0: Right.
1: Oh, that's a good idea.
2: Yeah. It's definitely saved my bacon a few times. Um, I just have to remember to flip the ISO around every now and then because um, <laughs> I kind of I fucked up a little bit and forgot on this one shoot that I was doing that I had shot a roll of 100 ISO film, and that's what the digital was set for. But then I was shooting Cinestill in the film camera, and so the lighting looked great at 100 ISO, and then it was just blown the heck out on the cine still but it ended up working for the scene that we were doing because it just it made it look more surreal and dreamy so it was like it was a happy accident but I was like <laughs> remember to change the ISO when you're changing <laughs> I have
0: to laugh the, uh, the last time I set up the strobes I got out the digital and, and I thought well I'm doing kids so I'm going to you know do digital first and I set it up Click the first one. I have the screen on the back shut off, so I don't. It doesn't pop up when I when I take the picture. And then I Mm -hmm. thought maybe I better preview. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's completely white. What did I forget? Oh crap! (laughs) (laughs) I gotta set the ISO. (laughs) Whoops.
2: Yeah, it's um, playing with strobes has been interesting because like I never got into it until this year, Um, and it's been a lot of fun to experiment with like the different like like i just bought some used alien bees uh that's what
0: i have too yeah they're
2: fantastic right yeah um i've been really happy with them like they're great and then i have uh i bought the the mini vagabond battery pack um so i've been able to like you know do like portable setups like we did some uh, shoot uh, a shoot under an underpass a couple months ago at nighttime that was kind of cool and got some like neat moody stuff um down there so you know playing with with lighting is, has been a lot of fun um but you know i that's what i use the digital mostly for is for testing what lighting looks like before i start um shooting with the film camera right i, I kind of just I find, like, as soon as I
1: start shooting with the
2: digital, I get lazy again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to, uh, to revert to bad habits when you don't have to worry about, you know, how many frames do I have left on this roll?
2: Exactly. And, well, and it's, like, even on this trip, so it's, like, I've been gone for, like, three weeks now. And when I was planning what cameras to bring with me on this trip... I immediately was like, you know, digital stays home because, um, you know, when I've brought it with me on other trips, it usually just ends up languishing in my suitcase and never comes out to play. So I was like, let's just not drag it across the country on this adventure. So it's, it's just going to stay at home. And I've just been shooting the F5 and the Polaroids on this trip.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Anyway, so I guess, um, we're not probably going to read quite all of the answers in the Facebook book group because the episode would get way too long. Um, so we have a couple more things that I need to um, wrap up. We had one call, co- uh, Ko-Fi donation this week from Sam Warner. Thank you very much, Sam. And Sam. we will be doing your topic in a future episode. So when you donate to Ko-Fi, you get a little swag. We have stickers available from Embrace the Grain. And you get to pick a topic for the episode. So thank you, Sam.
1: Yeah, thanks, Sam. That's very cool.
0: And um, I guess we should put our socials out there um merlin where can you be found
2: uh you can find me uh at MerlinDB. Uh, so it's like just m-e-r-l-i-n and then d and b um and that's basically like all of my socials or you can go to my website uh www.mdb1.com just the number one.com and uh yeah that's where you can find me
0: okie dokie jake
1: yeah, you can find me over on Instagram at Jake Rose Photo.
0: Okay, and you can find me over on Instagram at Rule One Film, and the one is spelled O N E. I like to be different. Or you can find me on Facebook um, at Sherry Christensen R R One Photography. Um, you can also find Jake and I at Embrace the Grain uh, podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, via email. Um, I guess that should wrap us up for the week.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us, Merlin.
2: Yeah, yes. I thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, it's my first photography podcast, so it's been pretty
1: exciting. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, how cool.
1: Yeah, who knows? Maybe this is the uh, the jumping off point. Yeah, <laughs> we'll
2: see. <laughs> I mean, the, the Instagram live has been uh, enough. Like, doing that once a week is, has been plenty. But maybe I'll get the bug. Who knows?
0: Who knows? All right. Well, everybody... Um. Everybody, stay positive and
1: embrace the green. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I messed that up. Sorry. Uh,
0: oh, that's okay. <laughs> um,
2: embrace the green, everyone.
0: <laughs> anyway, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you soon.
2: All right. Take care, guys. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's all, folks.